0: Hey everyone, if you think that some of Roald Dahl's books are too scary and mean for your kids, then definitely don't let them read the story of his real life. This book covers the author's life from about ages 8 to 18, and in those 10 difficult years, we learn of a few of the things that would inspire his extremely successful novels. This is Boy, Tales of Childhood by Roald Dahl. And this is The Book Pile, a podcast about the best of books, and the worst of books. If this is your first time to the podcast, welcome. May I also suggest checking out our back catalog of over 150 books. We've covered everything from Jurassic Park to Pride and Prejudice to The Hobbit to Unbroken to Little Women, and we've roasted classics like Twilight and the novelization of the Transformers movie. I'm Kellen Erskine. I'm a comic, a father, And as a good, loving father, I would never send my kid to a boarding school in the 1920s. As usual, well, our recent usual, my co-host Dave Vance will be back next week as we cover the book The Year of Magical Thinking. Dave is out this week because he mortgaged his house just so he could use all the money to bet on horse races, or as he calls them, his new job. I had a heart-to-heart with him about it, and I was like, Dave, that's not a job. You're just throwing away your money, probably to organized crime. And he was like, what's wrong with pursuing what you love? And I couldn't argue with that. And I also asked him if I could have some of his money, but then I think we got disconnected. Anyway, like I said, Dave is now on an every other week schedule with the podcast. But if you listen to earlier episodes, he's on every single one of them up until about episode 145. And lastly, if you're not a Patreon subscriber yet, you still have a few days to join before our first Zoom online hangout. And actually, as a new development on that, I'm going to be sending out a quick survey in the Patreon to get a consensus on an ideal time and date for that hangout with me and Dave. I know that we've uh, said that it was going to be this week, the week before Thanksgiving, but it turns out it might be better for everyone next week or even the week after Thanksgiving. You can put in your votes on the Patreon, and we'll decide soon. So. I decided to talk about Roald Dahl today because within the next couple months, Dave and I are going to do an episode on the wonderful Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And we'll be doing another episode roasting the sequel to it, Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, which is one of the most random, aimless, bizarre stories ever to be mass-published. So today, instead of our traditional format of sharing lessons learned from a book... I'm just going to give a brief summary of it, and then I'm going to list some fun random facts that I learned about him from the book as well. So, first off, Dahl would hate it that I called this episode The Autobiography of Roald Dahl, because the first thing that he says in the book is, quote, An autobiography is a book a person writes about his own life, and is usually filled with all sorts of boring details. This is not an autobiography. But then the book continues, And it's an autobiography. I mean, it's an autobiography of 10 years of his life. But I do get what he's saying. And I wish that more authors, or I should say like celebrities who become authors just once to write their own book about themselves. I wish that they all had this strict self-awareness to include only the most interesting, like emotionally compelling parts of their lives in their books and leave out everything else. I think this is good advice, actually, for anyone sharing any story anytime about themselves, be it, you know, in a memoir or at the dinner table. Just ask yourself, of this story I'm about to tell, would I think it was equally fascinating if someone else here was sharing it with me? Then you might objectively evaluate and conclude, yeah, maybe the story about Almost getting a parking ticket isn't worth anyone's time. Just some helpful tips before Thanksgiving. Anyway, Roald Dahl continues, quote, I would never write a history of myself. On the other hand, throughout my days of school and just afterwards, a number of things happened to me that I have never forgotten. None of these things is important, but each of them made such an impression on me that I've never been able to get them out of my mind. Some are funny, some are painful, some are unpleasant. All are true. Also, every time that I read a quote of his, just imagine that I'm doing it with the accent of a guy who mostly grew up in England and had Norwegian parents. So in 1878, when Roald Dahl's father was 14, he fell off a roof, broke his arm, and because his doctor was drunk at the time, his broken arm situation turned into something even worse, so they had to amputate. But Roald Dahl says that the only thing his father ever complained about with just having one arm is that he couldn't cut off the top of a boiled egg. So just remember that the next time your coworker gripes about how the office kitchenette is stocked with almond milk but not oat. Of his dad and his grandfather's ages, he writes, Both my father and grandfather were late starters as far as children were concerned. I am writing these words in 1984, but my grandfather was born in 1820, shortly after Wellington defeated Napoleon at Waterloo. (laughs) If my grandfather had been alive today, he would have been 164 years old. My father would have been 121. So just a quick question out there. Do any of you have a grandpa who is a century older than you are? I mean, so Roald Dahl passed away in 1990, the year I turned seven. So that means that when I was seven years old, I could have talked to a man whose grandfather was born way before Mark Twain, the Eiffel Tower, and the Gold Rush. Roald Dahl's father became independently wealthy. Uh, He was a widower after two kids, and then he married again and had four more, and that's where Roald comes in. When he was three, his sister tragically died of appendicitis, and then his father passed away from, they suspect, grief-induced pneumonia less than three weeks later. When Roald was 10, the headmaster of his Catholic school beat him with a cane because he was part of a team of kids (laughs) responsible for putting a dead mouse in a jar of gobstoppers at a candy shop. Any of those story beats sound familiar? I'm surprised his best friend wasn't like a giant or a huge peach. You'll have to read the book for the details of the story because it sounds like a terrible prank, but the woman who ran this shop was incredibly mean. And years later, she would become the basis for Miss Trunchbull in Matilda, with a a similar prank happening in that story as well. And this is a move that I like to use in stand-up, actually, being you tell a true story about someone who's been a jerk and you monetize it with all his books and movies that eventually profits from streaming rights much later. In 2021, Roald Dahl was the top earning dead celebrity in the world, having made just that year alone $513 million, which, which is an honor that I'm sure he would have rather received when he was alive. Anyway, after this beating, his mother took him out of that school and sent him to an English boarding school, thinking that it would be a better quality uh, educational experience. But over the next few years and yet another boarding school after that, he would continue to suffer beatings as so many children did back then. And now it really makes sense to me that in more than one of his books, he has these adult antagonists who are just plain nasty to children. It's also interesting to see that those adults in the stories eventually receive their comeuppance. And I wonder if this was Doll's way of revising history. And I hope that it was at least therapeutic for him. Towards the end of the book, he writes, All through my school life, I was appalled by the fact that masters and senior boys were allowed literally to wound other boys, and sometimes quite severely. I couldn't get over it. I never have gotten over it. It makes me understand a little more why someone like him would write, from time to time, some pretty creepy stuff for children. It reminds me of the interview that I had with Ethan Nicole, who has also written a children's novel and has some scary stuff in it. He brought up this idea in our conversation. I forget if Ethan was quoting someone or if this was his idea, but this idea that maybe Roald Dahl's motivation was not to shy away from showing scariness, but to show that it could be defeated. It makes me want to write a novel about being in one of those office meetings where they go around the room and each person has to answer some ice-breaking questions, because that's still my biggest fear. Now here are some fun random facts. Roald Dahl was six foot six. Some of his family members were closer to seven feet. Starting in boarding school at age nine, he wrote to his mother every week, and he didn't stop for the next 32 years until she passed away. And after that, he discovered that she had kept every single letter and every envelope. Roald Dahl has sold almost 300 million books, for scale, John Grisham and Mary Higgins Clark have both sold a hundred million each. Michael Crichton sold one hundred and fifty million, and I have sold zero just to provide some interesting contrast. Uh, as a child, he was in a car accident when his twenty one year old sister, who had received one hour of driver's training from a car salesman because. That's all that was required back then. She lost control of the car, like uh, the first time that the family went out in the car. Uh, Everyone was fine except for Roald. His nose was was almost cut clean off. They made it to a doctor. And he writes that the conversation between the doctor and his mother went like this. Doctor, I shall sew his nose back on. Mother, can you do that? Doctor, I shall try. (laughs) Because that's what you want to hear pre-op. He doesn't write much about writing in this book, which is a bit disappointing, but he he just didn't start pursuing it yet at the ages that he covers in this book. However, I do love this one quote that he leaves when briefly talking about uh, writing. "'The life of a writer is absolute hell compared to the life of a businessman. The writer has to force himself to work, he has to make his own hours, and if he doesn't go to his desk at all, there's nobody to scold him.' If he's a writer of fiction, he lives in a world of fear. Each new day demands new ideas, and he can never be sure whether he's going to come up with them or not. (laughs) I feel like I could relate to a lot of that. I also think it's funny because some of the things that he's saying are like the opposite of how people pitch good job opportunities, (laughs) where you do get to make your own hours and you get to be your own boss. He's saying that those things are obstacles for him because no one's holding him accountable to work. Uh, when he was a teenager at Repton Boarding School in Derbyshire, I'm sure I'm getting mocked by the British right now. Is it pronounced Derbyshire? Dribshire? The Cadbury Chocolate Company, ever heard of them? They would send the boys at the school uh, new chocolate bars that they would be testing and evaluating And this is where he learned that chocolate manufacturers had inventing rooms for candy and chocolate, and all of that, of course, would inspire. Fantastic Mr. Fox. And before I get to one last hilarious quote, here is a pretty heavy description he gives us of boarding schools of that era in a nutshell. Unless you have been to a boarding school when you were very young, it is absolutely impossible to appreciate the delights of living at home. It is almost worth going away because it's so lovely coming back. I could hardly believe that I didn't have to wash in cold water in the mornings or keep silent in the hallways or use a chamber pot in the bedroom or get flicked with wet towels while naked in the changing room or eat porridge for breakfast that seemed to be filled with little round lumpy sheep's droppings or walk all day long in perpetual fear of that long yellow cane. Ugh. So now I'll leave you with something more fun, this incredible description of a man's face, a real guy who sounds like a fake one, down to his name, but he's yet another villainous person who oversaw one of his schools in Derbyshire. Derbyshire. Shuri? Captain Hardcastle sported a mustache that was the same color as his hair, and oh, what a mustache it was, a truly terrifying sight a thick orange hedge that sprouted and flourished between his nose and his upper lip and ran clear across his face from the middle of one cheek to the middle of the other. This was not one of those nail-brush mustaches or short and clipped and bristly, nor was it long and droopy in the walrus style. Instead, it was curled most splendidly upwards all the way along, as though it had had a permanent wave put into it, or possibly curling tongs heated in the mornings over a tiny flame. Behind the moustache, there lived an inflamed and savage face, a deeply corrugated brow that indicated very limited intelligence. The corrugated brows seemed to say, "Life is a puzzlement." <laughs> I I just love so much that later on, Roald Dahl would mention this man in a book, this man who was cruel and abusive, and roast him like this in one of the greatest insults describing personal stupidity of all time. And all of this would contribute to making Roald Dahl half a billion dollars. All right, thanks again for listening. Come back next week for a Me and Dave episode and consider checking out the Patreon!